I paid you. Tell the audience. He did give me the money. I gave he you the six hundred and fifty. Now I'm just wishing that I, I, you know, stuck to the whole Twitter thing. No, the, you know? no, the, the money. Listen, man, the money's good for you. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed sitting down on the kitchen <laughs> counter downstairs, you've got some old, what looks like old medical bills. Yeah. I don't think I've opened that envelope one time. I just always assume it's like a, like you're like checking in. <laughs> checking in! Checking in to seeing how you're doing? Yeah. You don't I, think it's that we gave you medical care and you haven't paid us for it yet? I, I, I did not think that could be the case. Um, I mean, I don't really think they did anything, so they, well, I figured they were. Well, like, that's, you know, you know listen, that's how emergency rooms work. Whether they fix you or not, they do charge you for the services. Uh, <laughs> all right, you ready to go? Let's do it. Welcome in to episode 20, What's Right with Nick Wright, the podcast and YouTube show. Like, rate, subscribe, review. I'm going to be honest, I'm hearing our subscriptions on the podcast feed and our subscribers on YouTube have slowed a bit. So if you're listening right now, you're probably part of the solution, not part of the problem. Tell a couple of people about the podcast, maybe tweet about the podcast. How about this? You know, I Demonze might not have control of my Twitter account, but I always assume somewhat control of his. If you tweet about the What's Right with Nick Wright podcast or YouTube feed, uh, tag Demonze in it, he'll retweet you. How about that? Are you good with that? Of course. Thank you. There you go. So get I a little, will retweet you. He, there he is. He will retweet you. So we have a lot to do today on today's show. But first, we must get to what we're not doing on today's show, as we always do. What is not on today's show is Western Conference Finals Game 1 because that takes place in a few hours from us actually doing this, even though it took place a few hours after you guys were hearing this. It's confusing, but just trust me. Uh, AB wants to retire in Pittsburgh, no chance. And Tom Brady getting roasted, or Tom, maybe more accurately, Tom Brady's social media team getting roasted. That is not on today's show. We will get to what is on today's show in just a minute, but if you didn't hear the episode earlier in the week, uh, we have up. We have up the clock by two minutes. We have twelve minutes for the first segment. I am one for one in hitting the clock with the new twelve-minute time frame. It's what we should have been doing from the beginning. So you guys can start the clock. You'll see it in the right top left-hand corner of your screen if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening, you're gonna have to trust me. Start the clock, Demonze. What are we starting with? So yeah, Miami won Game One against Boston, just yep. like you said. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not abandoning shit, but it's a uh, I mean, obviously, there were key players missing. You did say that the Heat would win mm -hmm. because, like, you know, Celtics were gassed or whatever. Yeah. But they were missing. You, You're missing Marcus Smart and I, Al Horford. I, I feel like if that's not the narrative, they definitely win the game. Okay. But, you know. Yeah. So, are we all just sleeping on Jimmy Butler and the Heat or what's, what's going on here? I, okay. I'm not sleeping on Jimmy Butler and the Heat. All right. So, a lot of things to discuss here. First of all, I will give you credit. You have been the biggest Robert Williams Time Lord fan there is, and he played yesterday and played well. Played very well. And it was looking great for the Celtics. Yep. If the, the Celtics are up 10 at halftime, and if they win that game in Miami, no Marcus Smart, no Al Horford, it's very hard to figure out how the Heat are going to be able to win four of the next six as right. the Celtics get healthier. But then the Celtics, and notably your guy Tatum, had the worst quarter they've had all postseason. Yeah. And that now that was inflicted upon them by the Miami Heat defense and Jimmy Butler. But Tatum tied the modern playoff record 
for most turnovers in a quarter in any playoff game. He had six turnovers in the third quarter, and it went from a 10-point Celtics lead to a 10-point Celtics deficit in the span of six game minutes. First six minutes of the third quarter was a 22-2 Miami run. Now that was done some by Jimmy, but a lot by the, My the Miami defense as a whole. But to answer the question about are we sleeping on the heat, I mean, they're the one seed. They made the finals two years ago. Everyone dis discounts that finals appearance because what they're really trying to do, because so much of, not just from me, but from so much NBA commentary revolves around the sun that is LeBron James. And so, so people discount what the Heat did in the bubble as a way to discount what LeBron won in the bubble. If you acknowledge the Heat were an awesome team, it gives more validity to LeBron's championship instead of me calling it a bubble title or a Mickey Mouse title. But if you look at it, like, okay, so the Heat went to the finals in 2020. Last year, they ran into peak of his powers, Giannis, and they played poorly and guys were banged up and they got swept in round one. This year, they're the one seed. They have been able to deal with injuries throughout the year, still be the one seed. And now we get to Jimmy Butler, which this is something we acknowledge is, happens all the time or with some regularity in the negative direction. But people need to open up their eyes that this can happen in the positive direction. Here's what we know happens in the negative direction. An all-time great regular season player gets to the postseason and gets worse every year. James Harden's an example. James Harden is regular season-wise, statistically one of the greatest players ever, and in the postseason is 25 to 30% worse. Before your era, Carl Malone was like this. Carl Malone, second leading all-time scorer. Well, did LeBron pass him yet? He, I'm not certain. I, but regardless, <laughs> he was the second leading all-time scorer. Won two MVPs, finished second other times, and Carl Malone come the postseason would be a, just a little bit worse. We, so, we would say, okay, you're great in the regular season and you're just good in the postseason. Jimmy Butler's the inverse of that. He's good in the regular season, 20 points, five rebounds, five assists. And come the playoffs, he's a different level guy. He ups his, his game by 25 to 30%. Jimmy Butler, the year they went to the finals, had zero 40-point games in the regular season. In the playoffs, he had two. Jimmy Butler this year had zero 40-point games in the regular season. In the playoffs, he already has three. So is Jimmy Butler a superstar in the regular season? No. In the playoffs, are there 10 guys you'd rather have? Sure doesn't seem like it. So in the playoffs, he's a superstar. In the playoffs, it matters the most. We saw this a bit with your guy Rondo near the end of his career. But that wasn't to the same. What was happening with Rondo was Rondo was bad in the regular season <laughs> and then would be above average to good in the playoffs. Yeah. Butler being good in the regular season and then great in the playoffs is a unique thing. But yeah, I mean, some people are sleeping on the Heat. Some people picked the Heat to win the series. Heat and seven was the pick. Feel pretty good about it. But you guys will get Smart back. You'll get Horford back. Your guy Tatum needs to play better. It all is not lost. There's going to be a tight nip and tuck series. However, uh, yeah, some people are sleeping on the Heat. Not me because I've gotten basically everything about these NBA playoffs, right? except for the Bucs Celtics series, and Chris Middleton was out, so it doesn't even really count. And you're All sticking right. with Heat in seven. Yeah, of course. I'm not going to abandon it after they win game one. Yeah. Of course not. All right, what's next? Chris Paul says he's coming back next year. Uh, Wolves reports that Aiton's due for a max in free agency. Yeah. Suns fan... Right, wait, hold on. 
Yeah, Suns fans are blaming everyone from Monty Williams to Kendall Jenner. Mm -hmm. So did they just have a bad game seven, or do you think they need to blow it up? This is a fork in the road moment for the Suns. Because Robert Sarver, who deals with a bunch of off-the-court stuff that he inflicted upon himself, is notoriously cheap. He's the owner of the Suns. I do, right now, Booker's on a max. Chris Paul's making $30 million per. Mikhail Bridges is making $20 million. Jay Crowder's making $10 million. Landry Shamit's making $10 million. Landry Shamit's contract's a disaster. <laughs> uh, and that's before they pay Aiton a dime. So uh, the fork in the road moment is this, because Aiton will get a max from somewhere. The question is, will it be Phoenix? They could have given him the max last year after he helped lead them to the finals. They didn't. You, are they going to give him a max this year? Any idea why that happened? Well, I think because Sarver's incredibly cheap and because there's questions about Aiton's maturity. And there's questions about, does it make sense to play a center, to pay a center in this in this NBA, the max, unless he's Embiid or Jokic, that caliber of a guy. But somebody will. The other problem for the four sons is, Aiton went number one in Luka's draft. So they could have just had Luka. Right. Instead, they took DeAndre Aiton. But set that aside. Here is, to answer your question, yes, it was a disastrous all-time gag job of a game seven, that was not indicative of the quality of their team. But Chris Paul's 37. There's no reason to believe he's going to be better. He's only going to slowly deteriorate. So the Suns have a choice. Run it back one more time with Chris. Maybe sign and trade Aiton or just let Aiton walk and hope Mikhail Bridges gets better. Booker bounces back from a rough series. Chris can hold on. Or pivot the other way. Sign Aiton, move on from Chris. So there's a trade out there if they want it that's an easy one to make that is actually about the Lakers that we can discuss in a moment. That, I don't know if they would want to do it, but it exists. But there are other teams, there's not a lot that would want 37, soon to be 38-year-old Chris Paul making $30 million each of the next two years. But they could do that. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to run it all back and move on from Aiton. But the short version is this. I think the Suns' window is slammed shut. I think the next time the Suns make a conference finals, let alone an NBA finals, Chris Paul will be long retired. And if you agree with me on that, then you probably at least consider moving on from CP3, which I think leads us well, oddly enough, into our next topic. But go ahead and tell us about our next topic, which appears to be about the Lakers. Somehow the Lakers made the show today. Yeah, it's been a while since we talked about them. Prospective coaches are saying that Russ is still in their plans. Mm-hmm. Coach Magic and Phil Johnson are helping the Phil pick Jackson. Up. Phil, what did I say? I said, I said Phil, Phil Johnson. Johnson. You're thinking Phil's, of Magic Johnson. Yeah, Phil, yeah, go ahead. Phil and Magic Johnson are responsible for this. Um, but you know, who do you do you do you think Russ will actually you know has any chance of coming back to the Lakers? No, I don't. I think that people are misunderstanding. Of course, the Lakers are telling coaches that Russ might be back because they're not going to hire all these guys. And if you you interview a guy for a job. He doesn't get the job. Then he can tell anyone and everyone, they're, oh, they're done with Russ. They're trading Russ. If they want to have any chance to have any type of leverage in any potential Russ trade, which they're already kneecapped on, there needs to be the possibility, like, hey, we might just run it back and keep him. So I think I can't, even though Phil Jackson reportedly has said, keep Russ and trade LeBron, which is just it, it, insanity. I'd love if the Lakers did that, by the way. I don't like LeBron playing on the West Coast. It ruins my sleep schedule during the year. The Lakers are our poverty franchise at this point. 
Not, but I don't think they're going to. I honestly don't think Russ was responsible for too much of the downfall of the Lakers. Okay, I don't think you watched enough of the Lakers. <laughs> Russ was terrible. With that said, let me get back to the CP3 thing. Okay. So Russ only has one year left on his deal. If the Lakers call up the Suns and say, you want to pay 37 soon to be 38-year-old Chris Paul? I don't know. We like paying old guys. You want to be able to get off Landry Shamit's $10 million this year and next year? We'll give you Russ, plus a couple of draft picks, future picks that could be good because LeBron will be gone by then, Chris Paul will be gone by then. You can have those picks. For sure. For no, Russ, for Chris Paul and Landry Shamit, plus picks from the Lakers, and then Sarver can decide, and the Suns can decide, will we try to use Russ or will we just buy him out? Will we try to pay him $38 million of those $47 million to pay him to go away. He can go sign somewhere else. And we can, instead of being on the hook for around $90 million for Chris over the next three years, we're just going to be on the hook for this $40 to $47 million for Russ this year. And we get off Shamit's money and we get the draft picks. Because if they do want to, the Lakers are going to really have to thread the needle on this Russ trade. They're going to have to take back bad contracts. Is Chris Paul a bad contract at this point? I don't know. It, 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 it's hard to say he is given how well he played during the regular season, but it's also hard to trust his body at the end of a regular season, at the end of a postseason. But I don't really want to slander Chris Paul right now because this guy we're about to talk about is taking care of it for the whole world. <laughs> What's our final topic, Demonze? It's been a few days since Patrick Beverly went on his disrespectful rant. Yeah. Absolutely went in on CP3. Mm-hmm. Players like KD, Dame, and Matt Barnes back Chris Paul up, yeah. saying that he was, you know, out of line. I think, you know, he might have just been trying to be entertaining. Like, why would anybody care about this? It's a weird thing, but Patrick Beverly is in the exact wrong position to be disrespectful of a great athlete. Here are the people that, rightly or wrongly, the general public has no problem with with being disrespectful of a great player. Other great players, Shaq and Barkley on Inside the NBA can say whatever they want. Or guys like me who never played. The only, like, if you never played, you're Stephen A, if you're me, you can just crush people and be like, that's the job. If you're an all-time great, it's like, oh, you got to listen to him. He's an all-time great. If you were a role player, people are like, don't, how dare you? How dare you take a shot at Chris Paul like that? It's a really weird thing where if Beverly was just way worse at basketball and never made the NBA, nothing he'd be saying would be considered that out of line. But because he's good enough to make the NBA, but not good enough to be a good NBA player, yeah. Uh, he's getting blamed for I it. I loved Matt Barnes' take on it, by the way. Matt Barnes was I, right. I, I That's what he man. said. He was like, listen, we were role players. We got we to gotta zip it. <laughs> exactly right. It, no, that's how it works. Uh, and so it's why I've always wondered, and, and then I'll wrap up. Like, our cor- Laszlo asked me this once, my old buddy from Kansas City Radio. If he thinks quarterbacks get, like, who are quarterbacks more bothered by when they get criticized by? Like, if, if I am criticizing Russell Wilson, right. is he more bothered by me criticizing him, someone who never played, or if Dan Orlovsky criticized him? When Orlovsky played, but was known for running out of the back of the end zone on a safety and was a bad player, he's a great analyst. Like, ew, who, who does it bother the athlete more? 
And I think actually it bothers the athlete more. You're not talking. Like right, exactly right. <laughs> but for some reason, the commentator are like, ah, that's his job. All right, we'll be right back. Oh, gosh. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp because your mental well-being matters. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of that. Unlock the power of therapy with BetterHelp and witness the transformative benefits it brings to your life. From gaining valuable insights into your thought patterns to building resilience in the face of challenges, therapy empowers you to navigate life's twists with confidence. BetterHelp offers a convenient online platform designed to be flexible, fitting seamlessly into your schedule. With a simple questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com right to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot right. Your mental health journey begins here. Patrick Beverly is... He's always hated Chris Paul. Right. They, it, it, I mean, and like he tried to like make it seem like it wasn't hate by saying, you know, like I love the guy. Like, but here's the other problem. If Pat Beverly's going to talk about how bad of a defender Chris Paul is, and by the way, Chris Paul for a decade was one of the best defenders in the right. league. He's old. He's nine time <laughs> like, all defense, but now he's gotten worse defensively and he's always been small, which makes it hard, right? But let's say Pat Beverly was Jamal Crawford. If Jamal Crawford was like, gotta tell you, Look at Chris Paul out there, and we start licking because Beverly went like this. Like licking this. his chops, yeah. The problem is, Beverly has never been able to exploit anyone <laughs> on offense ever. <laughs> like Beverly at his apex is a very good defender and might knock down a couple threes. The idea that you could have the, pick the worst defender in the league, Patrick Beverly, it's not like clear out for me. <laughs> He's just a trash offensive player. Oh my god, 100%. Man. Which is what made it more laughable. Chris Paul's final five games, which were the worst five game stretch of his career, are Beverly's career averages. <laughs> like, stop it. All right, I failed hitting the clock that first segment, but I was close. I was like really close. About, yeah, within a minute, I think it's okay. I'll hit it this segment. We got 10 minutes on the clock. It's second segment of the show. It's episode 20 of the What's Right with Nick Wright podcast. You did very well that segment. Yeah, you know why? how I know you did well? Is your evolution as a broadcaster? You had one little stumble reading a question. You didn't let it bother you. Yeah. You just powered through. You're like, ah, you know, no reason to stop down. We don't yeah, need to. Let's, let's just keep it moving. People understand Demonze is here, not necessarily because he enunciates perfectly or necessarily knows that the guy's name is Phil Jackson, not Phil Johnson. He's here because he's the eye candy of the show and occasionally he shocks you with a good take. All right, Demonte, <laughs> what are we starting with for the second segment? Draft lottery happened Tuesday night. Yep. Magic getting the number one pick. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, you know, the lottery is fun, mm -hmm. but what can we do to make it better? Oh, a little Nick makes it right. All right, here's the deal. Because the, I actually like the lottery. I like how they flatten the odds. I enjoy watching it every year. There's some suspense. I think Malika did an excellent job on the broadcast yesterday. Malika's the young lady who yes. I told you her kind of rise mm -hmm. uh, to, to prominence in NBA media, how Crazy cool story. that is. It's an unbelievable, and she does a great job. 
Here's the only tweak I would make. It's not a massive tweak. Because teams should be a little embarrassed when they end up in the lottery. 30 teams in the league, 16 make the playoffs. So you got to be a you know, below average team to make the lottery. You should be really embarrassed if you show up in the lottery repeatedly, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't think owners should be allowed to send emissaries there. So like the Blazers sent Dane and the Pelicans sent Swin Cash, who's their VP of basketball ops. I think the lottery, and some owners go occasionally. Dan Gilbert famously used to go with the Cavs. I think the owners of all the lottery teams should have to go and they should have ownership statistics. So it would say for Vivek, uh, who owns the Kings, it should say, Vivek Ranadive, pardon me if I get his last name. In your last five years. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> lottery veteran. Uh, <laughs> his ninth consecutive season in the lottery <laughs> in his ninth season of ownership. Expose him. Absolutely. Expose them. And then, like, when a team that's well run shows up, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, okay, the Blazers. First season in the lottery in six right. years. Like, oh, okay, good for them. Like, you're doing a good job. <laughs> that way, you're not tanking. Well, it seems sometimes would tank, but owners have to know shame to it. there has to be some shame to it. When it, when the, the Thunder, who have just not tried to win basketball games <laughs> over the last four years, that Clay Bennett or whomever the primary owner is shows up, it should say, you know, best odds for number one pick every year the last four. You know, it should. It, I want lot. I want ownership statistics of how often you're in the lottery. I want those screen grabs floating around, and I want there to be some public shaming of teams that are not trying to compete. Aside, I like that. That's a good one, yeah, right? That's a good now one. it'll never happen because the owners technically own the league, right. And are in charge of things. But I, if I, the, Bill Simmons, you saw about there being a sport czar, someone who's like the attorney general for the country, except over sports who has power over even league commissioners. If there was a sports czar, implement this. I think that's, I, I just think it would disincentivize tanking a bit. And every once in a while, a little public shame for, uh, for billionaires can go a long way. Okay, what's next? You've picked every game for the 2022 season already. Yeah, I did. In fact, let me see if I can find it. Go ahead. It's, it's so early. Odell Beckham doesn't even have a team yet. Yeah, this is the grid. Yeah. I don't have the picks on me, but I fill out this grid. I highlight it. Green is uh, green is wins. Red is losses. And then I compile it. Okay, so there are my standings. Go ahead. Yeah, so what, what are you doing here? How do, what, are you, what are you making right? What am I? Well, well hold on. What do you, I don't even understand what you're asking me here. You're, you're asking me why I do this? Uh, yes, like how how are you going to pick these the 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 outcome of these games? You know when things... I guess I'm a sports genius. Okay. I mean this is I mean it, I, it do it now. Listen, there's 272 games. Do I think I'm going to go 272 and 272? No, of course I don't. Like, but it gives me a good template to kind of base my early season predictions. It gives me an idea of you know I go through it one by one and I'm like oh man like it's a for instance. I didn't realize how screwed the Patriots were before I did this. But when you look at the Patriots, our our lead producer, Gabe, will like this a lot. Uh, You look at the beginning of their schedule, and you're like, at Miami, at Pittsburgh, home for Baltimore, at Green Bay. Okay, so New England's going to be Vegas underdogs in all four of their first games. Then you look at the end of their schedule, New England, at Minnesota, underdog, 
home for Buffalo underdog, at Arizona underdog, at the Raiders underdog, home for Cincinnati underdog, home for Miami favorite, at Buffalo underdog. So the Patriots, the first four, they're going to be underdogs. Was this a sheet you were filling out while you were getting pestered by Deanna? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it might be a little inaccurate, folks. No, it's not going to be inaccurate. But but so let me finish the point, then I'll talk about the the annoyance of that. Patriots, first four, they're going to be underdogs. Final seven, six of them, they're going to be underdogs. They're screwed. Just flatly screwed. Now, occasionally, there's a few squirrely results where after I do it, because I just go week one, week two, week three, and then I add up the wins and losses. And occasionally, I'm like, oh, wow. As we're going to talk about in a moment, like, ah, my model, which is just my brain, seems to like the Bears more than anybody else. But here's the other reason I do it. Other broadcasters sometimes pick, you know, here will be the final standings. And then when you add them all up, they've accounted for, there's 272 games. So your finals records need to be 272 wins and 272 losses. By me doing it like this, Every time I go through week one, Arizona at, or against Kansas City, I highlight green Kansas City, they're going to win. Right. Red Arizona, they're going to lose. That way, at the end of the year, the records, even though obviously I won't get them all right, the records could be exact. Other folks will do it, and if you do the math on it, it's 280 wins and 264 losses for the league. That doesn't, that can't work. So that's why I do it. I do it in part because I'm a little OCD enough that I want the records to be exactly 272 and 272, but also because it gives me a nice loose template of how I think the season's going to go. But there were, as you can probably see on the right side of the screen, a few outlier predictions. I think we're going to get to those right now in two wrongs and one right. Demonze, take it away. Yes, sir. The 49ers will go 14-3 and because Trey Lance is quarterback, Jimmy G is quarterback, or with Shanahan, does it not matter? Or does quarterback not matter? Sorry. Uh, no, I don't think Jimmy G is going to be the quarterback, so we can get rid of that one. It's a combination of one and three of Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is going to be really good in this Shanahan offense. I think they were smart for not folding to Debo Samuel's trade demand. And I, the Niners made the conference championship game last year with, I think, below average quarterback play. Two years ago, they made the Super Bowl. I like their coaching a ton. I like their roster. Is 14 and three a bit ambitious? Sure. Uh, it's just how I, you know, once I picked every game, I realized I am winning 14 games. But I do think they're going, I think the Niners and the Rams are far and away the two best teams in the NFC. Now I think we're getting to my most controversial uh, pick so far. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Admit defeat on one of these predictions already. Bears 11 and 6, Jaguars 8 and 9, or the Ravens going 14 and 3. Okay, I'm definitely not admitting defeat on the Ravens. The Ravens were 8 and 3 last year and were the one seed before Lamar got hurt. That was despite all their running backs being injured in the preseason. And then late in the year, Lamar got hurt and all their their entire secondary got injured. I think the Ravens will be excellent. The Jaguars, I don't love what they did in the draft. I don't love their GM. But I do love that they have a new head coach, not Urban Meyer, who the players clearly were not vibing with, to say the least. And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a great quarterback. So them winning eight games, to me, is totally reasonable. The Bears won. Here's the problem with it. I like Justin Fields. Okay. However, you know Danny. My, Parkins. Yeah, Danny yeah. Parkins. He lives in Chicago, is the number one sports media guy in Chicago, covers the Bears. He texts me when Bears, when these picks came out. 
And he said, you're drunk, buddy. <laughs> and I was like, you're not, you're not believing in the Bears? And he was like, dude, 11 wins is impossible. <laughs> what is odd is the first time I ever did this was my first time at Fox doing it was six years ago. And you know what the big outlier prediction that time was? The Bears. I had the Bears with, with Mitch Trubisky going 12 and 4. For some reason, my... What did they do that season? Not 12 and 4. <laughs> For some reason, my 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 week-by-week week NFL picks have a strong Bears bias. So I guess the one that's probably the least likely is the Bears. But I'm sticking with all of them. All right, what's next? You pick these three teams to miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Which fan base will you be apologizing to at the end of the season? Okay. New England... Cincinnati or Las Vegas? Oh, I New England, I think, is drawing dead. And Vegas, I know they made the playoffs this past year, but the division got so much better, except for the Chiefs, and the Chiefs were already so much better than them. I think Vegas is going to finish last. My answer is very simple. Uh, Cincinnati's the one that was the hardest because they did upgrade the offensive line. They did make the Super Bowl, and Bengals fans... I would be the one fan base I would apologize to because they were actually pretty gracious after they dispatched of my Chiefs. I like Bengals fans. I don't have much time for Patriot fans because they're also Celtic fans. I'm not a huge fan of the general area. You're fine, but it's because Celtics are the Celtics fans. Like are Celtic irritating. fans? No, of course not. All right, what's the last question? Oh, LeBron did a Q and A. What was the most interesting revelation? Yep, picking KD and Kyrie as teammates, mm-hmm. saying Luca is his favorite player. Or saying the 2011 finals was a low point. Oh, the most interesting thing was the the first one you mentioned. We already knew the 2011 finals was a low point. And he has already said Luka is his favorite player in the league. Because, listen, LeBron's got a bit of an ego. And Luka's his favorite player because Luka plays Plays a lot like like LeBron. Right. When he was asked, who would you pick as far as all-time guys? The question was, it's Michael and Scotty against you and somebody. Who's your teammate? And he said, Kobe, that makes sense. Kyrie, uh, KD, that makes sense. Or Kyrie. The LeBron Kyrie, slowly but surely, because Kyrie did some interviews that said, you know, I kind of regret how it ended there. Yeah, he said his, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got Maybe Kyrie is reading the writing on the wall that the Nets aren't as high on him as he once was. <laughs> maybe a little. I, I was trading Russ earlier to right. the Suns for Chris Paul. Maybe, maybe a KD Russ reunion in Brooklyn. How about that? And a LeBron-Kyrie reunion. I've only been pitching that for six months. God, I'd love for that to happen. Man, I don't even want Kyrie to join LeBron because I, I just don't want... You don't I'm want sorry. Kyrie to have I'm success. Just, yeah, I'm, yeah, I was about to say, I don't want him to win a reunion. You don't, you don't, don't, you don't want Kyrie one. to have success. I understand. I, I understand why you feel that way. I but I do it. want LeBron to win another ring. And Kyrie, Kyrie with LeBron has been a dynamic duo. With that said, 100%. Kyrie is not a guy who would pick in that two-on-two match because he's not two-on-two, you got to be able to guard. He's not guarding right. another guy. All right, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back in. Final segment of episode 20, What's Right with Nick Wright podcast and YouTube show. Like, rate, subscribe, review. And as always, a reminder, Sunday, we get into, I believe, the top 25 players of the last 50 years on our continued countdown of the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years, those special What's Right with Nick Wright episodes. But Demonze, C-Block is... Really, your time to shine. You, I, I know there was something that we were, as a family, all sitting in the office watching the beginning of the Celtics game. And I said this would be a good topic for the end of the show, but I don't remember what we were discussing. I hope you do. What, what was it? 
I, I remember a, a couple discussions okay. last night. Uh, one, mom revealed this picture to me oh, that I'm this assuming. This is not what I, okay, now I do remember. Uh, I was thinking of the thing with your little sister and the ice cream shop. Oh yeah, but, but I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about this one first. Okay. Um, so I'm assuming that it was like the night that the Lakers got eliminated from the play-in. Um, mom shows me a picture of you sitting in the bed, boxers on and everything. Smoking a black and mild, no ashtray in sight, just smoking a black and mild on the bare bed. I yeah, uh, in just my underwear. Ah, uh, that picture will never see the light of day. By the way, yeah. Uh, so this was, so I don't listen. I don't have a lot of recollection of that night. I think it's <laughs> evidenced by the fact that I was smoking in the house, in, in my bed. bedroom. I mean, just bleary eyed. I wish you were I could scrolling through Twitter in the photo. Like I'm just wrecked, just wrecked. I and I can't believe, like, I was. I must have been so gone that I. Do you realize how in in real life, how scared I would be of your mom seeing me? I don't like when your mom yeah. sees me smoke at all. Right. Much less smoke in the house. Much less <laughs> get down to my boxer shorts. And, and, and that picture, that black and mild smoke to the tip. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is, I'm smoking it to the filter. And she just snapped a photo of me. I don't, I don't remember. I would have, I would have bet any amount of money that didn't happen. But there's photographic evidence. Yep. Okay. All right. That's not what Speaking we were talking about. Speaking of exposure. Yeah. Let me tell yeah, this story. Yeah, you, you're, yeah. Because you you're... weren't there. Deanna, my youngest daughter, yesterday... <laughs> We're at Sugar Hill Creamery, which is a great ice cream shop directly next door to my wife's boutique, Trentage. By the way, if you're in New York City uh, on Linux, which is 6th Avenue, between 119th and 120th, stop by Sugar Hill Creamery, unpaid endorsement, get some ice cream, then stop by Trentage, get some great women's clothing. We're trendy meets vintage. There you go. We're trendy meets vintage. Great job. Great family plug there. <laughs> I'm there yesterday with your little sister. Well. And the people that work there know me and they like talk sports with me. And one of them says, like, hey, who do you have, Mavs Warriors? And I said, oh, I got the Mavs. I was like, you know, Luca's one of the two best players in the league. And they go, one of the two best. I'm like, yeah, him and Giannis. And Deanna gets indignant and looks at me and says, what about LeBron? <laughs> I thought LeBron was your favorite. I'm like, he is my favorite player, but he's not the best anymore. De Deanna then, there are, there are people eating ice cream and the workers and people in line. Deanna stands up <laughs> and says, excuse me, everybody. I want you guys to know that if you're my dad's favorite player, as soon as someone's better than you, he'll cheat on you with somebody else. I said, excuse me? She's like, it's true, daddy. You always said LeBron was the best. And now Luca, who I never heard of, now you're saying he's better than him? Is she like was pissed? I think this might have something to do with Fortnite. That might have been like a, uh, you know, transparent little bashing right there. What do you mean something to do with Fortnite? So, I mean, for, you remember how she was? You were having her direct you in Fortnite, uh -huh. and then like when I started coming around and I'd say things, I feel like she was like, you know, you don't take my advice anymore. Oh yeah, she got mad at me. She's, yeah. Maybe she's just been bitter at me yeah. because I I picked a better Fortnite coach than she's her. She's lashing out, and she's lashing out by trying to expose me in ice cream shops around New York City, saying I'm cheating on my favorite player <laughs> by acknowledging someone else is better. So there it is. Okay, that's today's show.